Uh, we're going to be reading today, as I mentioned, from the book of Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. Acts chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. And we're going to be uh, exploring the story. Um, quick fact about Acts uh, chapter 5. I've read that story before, and I always thought about, it was about something else. But when Pastor Meeks asked me to um, bring the message, um, I had a completely different view on it. So that's why the Word of God, you can read it over and over again. Um, and then when you actually study it, you're like, you know what? Yeah, I was wrong. Because <laughs> I always thought Acts was really about... Anyway, let me, let, me, let me not give it away. Um, so the title of my message is called One Mind, One Accord. One Mind, One Accord. And the subtitle is called The Activating Power of the Holy Spirit. The Activating Power of the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of this message, the objective of this message, is to teach the believer that God's power in us is activated only when there is complete unity and spiritual alignment in the environment in which we want him to operate. Let me repeat that. To teach the believer that God's power in us is activated only when there is complete unity and spiritual alignment in the environment in which we want him to operate. Separation and disunity deactivate God's power. Separation and disunity, I made that word up, deactivate God's, deactivates God's power. Okay, so one mind, one accord. Um, I like to start with context. So we are introduced here in the book of uh, Acts chapter 5. Um, we are dealing with a situation that occurs. Um, we're still sort of in the early days of the church, right? This is still the early formative days of the church. Um, this was after Pentecost. There was a lot of people that gave their life to Christ um, and became filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus' disciples, so think about Peter, think about John, think about, you know, the, what I call the, the big dog, so to speak. Uh, they formed this new community of believers. Um, and it was a, call it a church, call it a Bible fellowship. But the whole point of this was really to, for those who give their life to Christ to continue to disciple them and for them to continue to grow in spiritual maturity. Amen? And so the disciples became the leaders of this church and they were responsible for overseeing this new community. Um, they faced a lot of pressures, just as any church, starting a new church. Um, there was a lot of external persecution going on. The people outside, they ridiculed them. And if you look at chapter 4, um, they, they brought some of the leaders in, questioned them, you know, warned them, and uh, intimidated them. So there was a lot of issues they were facing. Another thing they were facing was rapid expansion of the church. The church was growing. The, you know, people were coming. And as a result of what the Holy Spirit was doing, people were coming to the church to believe. And so their church, their fellowship was starting to grow. And so as these new folks were joining, the pastors of the church, the leaders of the church, they had to balance this whole, okay, how do we maintain growth while keeping spiritual maturity of the people? How do we add more folks in who are giving their life to Christ? And how do we balance the, the spiritual composition, the, the spiritual alignment of the church? So that is what they were facing at this point in time. But one thing was clear. 
for you to be a part of this community, you couldn't just walk in and just be like, hey, guys, I want to, where do I sign up to be part of this Peter and John fellowship, right? You, there was a, a vetting that sort of took place because the people who came into the fellowship had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do we know? If we go to verse uh, chapter 4, verse 31, and I'm going to read the actual verse, uh, we will see that it says in verse uh, 4, 31 to 30, it says, and they had prayed, and when they had prayed, the place they were meeting together was shaken, and they were all filled, all filled. Now, some of them were filled, no, all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak the word of God with boldness and courage. Verse 32 says, now the company of believers was, watch this, of one heart and soul, spiritual alignment. Verse 33 says, and with great ability and power, the apostles were continuously testified to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. And great grace rested richly upon them. Okay, why do I bring all that up? Very easy. So the leaders of the church, they did not just admit anyone into the church that, you know, like, uh, you know, stopping by. You had to be a believer and you had to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be part of this, um, to be part of this fellowship. And so as this church was growing, uh, the leaders had to kind of figure out a way how to, just like any church, how to pay for the bills, how to feed the people how to buy new clothes, how to uh, conduct ministry in a way that will allow for the expansion and the needs of the people to be met. And so one of the ways they came up with was they decided to launch what I call the Kingdom Christian Community Bank. Kingdom Christian Community Bank. And this bank was created and the, the plan was this. It was if you partook of this bank, your job was to sell everything you had and put the proceeds into this bank. Some of you may be like, well, I'm never doing that. I don't know about you. When I read that, I was like, ooh, that's going to be tough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know these random people. I'm putting all my proceeds in the bank. But watch this. There was something that was going on. This bank was created to meet the needs of everybody. So watch this. In the population of the people, they had people from different socioeconomic status. They had really wealthy people and they had people who were, you know, not as wealthy. So what they did was that they were going to trust God and say, well, watch this. I, we are going to trust God and come together and put all our resources in one pot such that if anyone had need, they could always go to the bank and cash the check. As a matter of fact, the slogan of the bank, I was thinking about this, was Kingdom Community Christian Bank, where God cashes my check for me every day. So watch this. As they put, now this plan, this kingdom plan was optional. Listen, it was optional. Just because you were part of the community did not necessarily mean uh, you had to partake. So. You know, hey, it's like, hey, it's optional. You don't have to do it. And so some people participated, some people didn't participate. But if you participated, you were committed to selling everything you had and putting it in the bank. Let me repeat that. It was optional. 
Nobody forced you. Nobody said, hey, you know, put a gun to your head. You better go sell your stuff and send it to Peter. Nah, it was optional. Watch this because it was spirit-led. When you give, it has to be spirit-led. When God asks you to do something, it has no matter, no matter what you do, everything has to be spirit-led. So you have a community of believers, and it says, watch this. I just read it for you. It says they were spirit-led. And so for you to participate, Peter trusted that you had the Holy Spirit, and he was like, well, you know, ask the Holy Spirit. That's what Pastor Mix always tells me. He's like, well, you know, just pray about it. Ask God. Ask the Holy Spirit. See what he tells you. But he's saying something that he understands because if I do anything out of my own effort, it fails. It may work for a minute. You're like, yes, it's working. But then when it fails, you're like, well, God, why did you do this? God is like, well, you didn't ask me, so why are we having this conversation? That's how they funded the church. This is what was going on at the time. So now we're introduced to two characters. Ananias and Sapphira. By the way, Ananias means God's grace and God's favor, and Sapphira means beautiful. That's where we get the word sapphire from. So there were believers. They were not only believers, but they joined the church. They committed to the plan and now decided to do something different. Let's find out what happened. And so as we read in the book of uh, Acts chapter 5, we see that, verse 1, it says, Now a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge and complicity, he kept back some of the proceeds, bringing only a portion of it, and set it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart? By the way, I thought that was a very interesting comment, and I'll get to it. He said, Ananias, why, 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 has, why has Satan filled your heart? Why have you lied to the Holy Spirit and secretly kept back for yourself some of the proceeds from the sale of the land? As long as it remained unsold, it did not remain your own to do as you pleased. And after it was sold, was the money not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this act of hypocrisy and deceit in your hearts? You have not simply lied to people, but to God. Verse 5, and hearing these words, Ananias fell down suddenly and died, and great fear and awe gripped those who heard of it. Verse 6, and the young man in the congregation got up and wrapped up the body and carried it out and buried it. Now, after an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, tell me, whether you sold your land for so much? And she said, yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, how much, how could you two have agreed to put the spirit of the law to the test? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. And at once she fell down at his feet and died. And the young men came in and found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear and awe gripped the whole church and all who heard about these things. Okay. Now, at first when you read that, you're like, that's kind of harsh. Like, I mean, people lie all the time. I mean, it's not okay, but I'm like... I mean, the brother lied. I mean, you know, I mean, in the Bible, even Abraham lied, right? Abraham lied and said, oh, no, she's not my wife. She's my sister. 
I didn't see God striking him dead. I mean, I'm just saying. So when I read this, I said there has to be something deeper that Peter was dealing with because he was irate. He was angry. And but the answer to that question, you have to go back to chapter 4. And I believe the answer, once again, is in verse 31 and 32. Let's see. Which brings me to sermon point number one. Wherever there is unity and oneness, abundant grace and power is released. Let me repeat that. Wherever there is unity, abundant grace and power, God's abundant grace and power is released. Another way to put it is this. Unity and oneness is the activating agent of the Holy Spirit that enables the release of God's abundant grace and power. Let me repeat that. Unity and oneness is the activating agent of the Holy Spirit that enables the release of God's abundant grace and power. I'm going to go fast. Now, in verse 31, it says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 32 says, in um, uh, chapter 4, verse 32 says, now the company of believers was with one heart and one soul. Verse 33 says, and with great ability and power, and then it says, and great grace. So those were words that jumped out at me. Watch this. When you have, another way to say this is, whenever there's unity, that is oneness of heart, you will find the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is free to move. And when the Holy Spirit is free to move in an environment, what happens is great ability, great power, and great grace comes upon that environment. Let me repeat that again. Whenever there's unity, whether it's a church body, whether it's a family, whatever community or unit that you are part of, whenever there's oneness, everybody is aligned spiritually. What happens is the Holy Spirit is free to move. Because what happens is flesh is denied. Self is denied. See, the, the, the Holy Spirit, the way he works is this is he's very sensitive. He's sensitive like a dove. The reason why the Holy Spirit is like a dove is because doves are very sensitive. They don't like, Ugh. And whenever there's, Ugh, I, mean, you, I mean, if you see a crow or, or a pigeon, they just like nasty stuff. Pigeons would like, they will hang out in the most nasty. You'd be like, man, don't touch me. Um, I was going somewhere. But, but doves are very sensitive. And so the Holy Spirit is very sensitive. So if flesh is in the mist, the Holy Spirit cannot work. When flesh or self is involved, when it's about me, I, myself, my plans, my ideas, everything I'm going to do, it's about me, 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 the Holy Spirit is like, ah, not going to work here. That is why today we have churches that are powerless. That is why today we see churches that back in the day were like, we don't hear about signs, miracles, wonders. Why? Because flesh has infiltrated the church. We could come to church and we could say, oh, you know, but, you know, I, I raise my hand, I worship. But how are we dealing with self and flesh in the church? So, so watch this, watch this. The way self works is self is all about me. I don't like how that sister looked at me today. I, I don't like the shirt he's wearing today. 
And then we expect the Holy Spirit to move and then oh, we just fall out and the Holy Spirit, no, the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't do that because you got so much garbage in you. Pastor has given me permission to preach, so I'm going to do it. Now, watch this. Watch this. Jesus talked about this. There was a, there was a pastor who came here uh, four or five months ago, the one from Stockton. He talked about oneness. In John 17, Jesus talked about this very thing. He says, I am no longer, this was the high priest prayer. Jesus was about to go. He was about to leave. And he talked about this. He says, I am no longer in the world, yet they are still in the world. He's talking about his disciples. He says, I am coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, so that, watch this, they may be one, just as we are. You're like, hmm, interesting. Okay. He says it again, verse 21. He says, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us. So he keeps stressing. <laughs> he keeps stressing this whole idea of oneness. And we're not just talking about, oh, you're my buddy, let's hang out after church. No, that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is spiritual alignment. How does this tie? I'm coming to it. Watch this. Psalm 133, I opened my Bible this morning. I was praying before we, and prepping for today. I opened my Bible this morning, Psalm 133. Oh, interesting. I read it. Listen to this. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil of consecration poured out on the head, coming down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, coming down upon the edge of priestly robes, consecrating the whole body. Watch this. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon coming down on the hills of Zion. For watch this. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So what he's saying is that in unity, God is where, that's where God lives. When we are spiritually aligned as one body of believers, it's saying, listen, that's God is like, yes, let's move. Let's work. Let grace be. Let power be. All of these things are operating when we as a body of believers are operating as one. I was watching a, a YouTube video that my mom sent to me. For those of you who didn't know, yes, I'm from Africa. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> so it was about this pastor, and my wife watched it. I shared it with her. And he was an ex-Satanist. He worked. <laughs> he was so high in the kingdom of darkness that he was like the regional director. <laughs> and he had given his life to Christ. Now he's a pastor. Watch this. This is what he said. He said there was one particular instance where he was chilling, doing his demonic things. And all of a sudden, he gets a call. And the call from the, the person on the other line says, we have an assignment from you. He was from Uganda. His name is James Kawalia. Kawalia. Look him up on YouTube. And he says, we have this assignment for you. And the assignment is there's a church of six people. They have decided to pray every day for the next 90 days. They have come together in unity. And they have made a covenant with God that said, no matter what happens, for the next 90 days, we will pray in unity. It does come rain or shine. The problem with this, the person said, is that if they get to 90 days and they actually complete what they said they were going to do, we will be kicked out out of Uganda for the next six years. We, as the demons, so to speak, 
they will not be they will not be able to operate in that country for the next six years based on the prayer of six people. You're like, wait, sorry, what? Can you repeat that? And so what he was saying was that believers don't understand the power of unity. The Bible says, I think Pastor, Pastor Mark said, he said, one can put to flight a thousand and two can put to flight 10,000. Jesus says, where two or more are gathered, I'm there. But what he was saying was that where two or more are aligned. One can be praying, but if two... That's why God gives you a spouse. So both of you can pray together. Watch this. You can pray on your own if you're single. It works. But when you have somebody else there to pray with you, the kingdom of darkness feels it. So watch this. So he said, your job is to go to this church and make sure they do not get to 90 days. That is your assignment. He said, all right, understood. And he found the people, went to the church. They were, they will meet every day at 3 p.m. in the afternoon and they will pray for hours and just pray. They didn't even know what they were praying for. They just knew that the Lord wanted them to pray and every day and they got to day 80 something. And they, he inserted a young girl came, came into the church. It's like, hey guys, I want to be a part of this prayer ministry. Ha, 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 ha. And one of the ladies in the church was like, I don't know about this. Something, something is not right. But the pastor, I guess he was, he fell asleep at the post. He came in, allowed her. And one day on day 89, they show up and an argument broke out. And the girl who was an agent said this, and she looked at one of them. By the way, they had a file on everybody in that ministry. And one of the ladies who had a file had mother issues. She had issues with her trauma from her mom. And she made a statement and said, you are just like your mom. And the lady completely lost it and the meeting scattered. Day 89. And he, his whole point of the story was that if they had got to day 90 of that prayer and fasting time, that the, the kingdom of darkness would not have been able to operate in that country for six years because of the prayer of six people. Unity. Alignment. I'm, I'm tying all this stuff together for you. So if the devil understands this, why don't we get this as Christians? Look at the country today at the national level. I'm Republican. I'm Democrat. Division. Church level. Well, well, this person doesn't like, even within the broader church, you got Catholics, you got this, you got that. It's all this. <laughs> why do we have so many subdivisions of the same Christ? At the family level, when you look at the family level, family dysfunction. Well, this person said this, that person said this, I don't like this, I don't like this. Come to church, you're not even talking to each other. Why? Because the enemy understands that if Christians can be united, it activates the Holy Spirit and allows him to move freely. Grace and power are released. Well, one person who got this was Apostle Peter. He knew. Let's look at Peter's response in verse 3. Peter's response in verse 3. What did he say? He said, but Peter, said Ananias, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and secretly keep back for yourself some of the proceeds of the sale of the, of, of, of the land? So at first glance, it appears that 
Ananias' deception, his lie, his hypocrisy was what triggered Peter and triggered the response, which is true, but it goes deeper than that. You see, Peter saw this from a spiritual perspective. Peter understood that it was the oneness, the unity, it was the alignment of the heart and soul of the people with each other and the people with God that caused the grace, the power, the miracles of that community to flow. And he understood that in order for the grace and the power that they were seeing in those days to continue to flow, he understood that there was no place for self in there. He understood that there was no place for the flesh to operate. He understood that once that entered the, the, the community, it was going to spread. And then God's power will stop flowing because of what they had to do. How do we know? Look at Joshua chapter 7, the story of Achan. Achan did the same exact thing. God said, do not take this. And Achan took and he... He took some of the spoils from war and put it under his desk. And so when Joshua went to war, they lost. And it's like, Lord, what happened? What did I do? I thought I was your best friend. And God was like, well, somebody in your camp has done something I asked them not to do. So hold on. The pastor is doing his job. He's praying. He's fasting. He's doing all these things. So you mean all it takes is one person? To disrupt the whole community? The answer is yes. That's why Jesus said, I pray that they may be one just as we are. Because he understood that the power of oneness, <laughs> the enemy is always trying. Once self or flesh was introduced into the camp, it cut off the supply of God's grace. And power. So disobedience, lies, deceit, hypocrisy, all of this, those are all symptoms of flesh. But the deeper thing is self is involved. And so if this happened, the people and the gospel will not be able to grow anymore. We see this in the church today, as I mentioned. There's, there's powerlessness because church members, sometimes we're not spiritually aligned to each other. We don't know what's going on in each other's lives. We see each other. Hey, how's it going? Uh, God bless you. We'll see you next week. We see that in a home, broken homes, divorces, because self is involved and each person is focused on sat satisfying their desires. Question for you. How have my actions, how have your actions restricted God's grace and power in your life? Have you held back parts of you from God? And are you a spiritual Ananias and Sapphira? Or are you Peter rebuking the spirit? Point number two, and I'm going to go fast. Whenever, point number one, as I mentioned, is this. Whenever there's unity or oneness, abundant grace and power is released. Point number two, whenever unity is present, the enemy will seek to create division. Another way to put it is, whenever the enemy sees power flowing, the enemy is like, that's where I'm going. There's a lot of powerless Christians that when the enemy sees you, he's like, mm, I'm good, I'm not worried about you. <laughs> it's the truth. We were on vacation. I'm going to tell the story real quick. We were on vacation, my wife and I, our family, and we went to an Airbnb. 
We checked into the Airbnb, and my wife runs down the stairs. And she says, look at what I found. In the Airbnb, the owner of the Airbnb, if you saw on the street, you'd be like, ah, you know, just a normal person. She had voodoo dolls strategically placed in each room. The first one she found, I was like, ah, babe, it's, it's just art. Let it go. She's like, I, I don't know about this. She said, let me go check the other rooms. And she goes to all those other rooms, and she finds the same voodoo dolls in the same location in each room. So the question, are we staying or are we going? So I was getting ready to like, yeah, all right, we, we can't stay. And the Holy Spirit had to check me. He said, hold on. Where are you going? I'm like, voodoo, we're out. Peace. Ain't nobody got time for that. And the Holy Spirit said, no, you're not. You will stay here. <laughs> and I said, how do I tell my wife this? <laughs> and the Holy Spirit said, no, nah, you ain't staying. You will take territory in this house. And so I said, all right, we gathered all the kids. Like, all right, everybody hold hands. We ain't going nowhere. I told my wife, she's like, all right, we're going to do it. And we prayed and sanctified that house. Let me tell you, fast forward. We slept the best sleep. Oh, my goodness. Watch this. Because the enemy seeks to create division. And he wasn't going to divide us. It, we were, first of all, we were not running nowhere. Because once you know the God you serve. I told her, I said, listen, we can say we serve Jesus Christ all we want. But now, this second, this is the time we're going to put it to the test. And we're going to see whether we should be the one running for the hills <laughs> or this little demonic idol should be the one. And so we packed it up and we put it in the garage. And we said, ain't nobody worried about that. Because we know the God we serve. And the enemy, what he comes to do is he comes to create divisions where there's power. He's like, you know what? There's something about that church. There's something about that family. There's something about that community. Division. Constant division. Constant issue. And sometimes you don't realize it because you're like, oh, I don't like it. He doesn't like me, blah, 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 blah. But not knowing the enemy says there's power there that I have to take. He always finds the weakest link. When he sees power flowing, he's gonna, he's, he looks for the person in that community that he feels is the weakest link. He ain't going for the... <laughs> he will not go for the person who he knows. He's like, nah, I don't want to deal with that person. And so he... What, does, what did Jesus say? The enemy seeks who to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And then Jesus even gives an illustration. He says, he says the, the thief comes, what, to the side door, to the back door. He don't come to the front door because he knows he's going to get met with a stick. But he understands if he can go to the back door, watch this, because somebody left the back door open. He's like, yeah, I can get into the house. So he always looks for the weakest link. He always, and he always finds that one person who, hmm, who has good intentions, but has left the back door open for him. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. 
He just means he's got a lot going on. And he's like, that's the person. You think for one second he doesn't have a file on you. He knows everything you've been through, your likes, your dislikes, your traumas, things that trigger you, things that don't trigger you. And he's going right for the jugular because he knows, I know you've not dealt with that stuff. And he typically looks for people who have unhealed wounds or traumas as entry points. He looks for people who have these unhealed wounds, but who, who, who pretend to everybody else that they are doing just fine. The reason I will not admit to you that I'm struggling is self. Because self is like, I don't want them to look at me funny. I'm good, nothing to see over here. And the enemy is like, <laughs> that's the person I'm going after. For Ananias and Sapphira, it appears that greed and the love of money and keeping up appearances was their wound. So Peter makes a statement again. He says, why has Satan filled your heart? He says, because when the enemy comes to strike a camp, he doesn't come and say, I'm the enemy. Ooh, watch me. Watch as I come and snap. No, he doesn't come. He does it gradually. First, it starts with a thought. Hey, Ananias, you know that money? I know, I know. It's a lot, right? It's a lot. Maybe you should keep part of it. And then it spreads. You know what? Tell your wife. And the wife is like, boy, you crazy. And he's like, wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Listen to me. And she's like, you know what? It's a good plan. And so it starts. That's what Peter saw. And Peter had to nip it in the bud very quickly. Watch this. So, so once the, it starts with a thought, the heart is no longer one. The soul is no longer one with the community. And watch this. And the enemy knows if I can, if I can introduce this, it will prevent the Holy Spirit from moving freely within the community. Peter had to nip it in the bud very quickly. The question on the table, am I the weakest link? In my unit what ways have I allowed my actions to create space for the enemy to operate in my home and what ways have I abandoned my post last point and we're going home God takes commitment seriously God takes commitment seriously we live in a world where commitments are not taken seriously one minute I love you next minute I don't one minute I'm married to you the next we're like you know what I don't feel like it anymore because you hurt my feelings Married today, gone tomorrow. So it's really hard to understand when you live in a society that everything's quick, quick, quick. Today I do, today I don't. But God is like, I take commitments very seriously. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart and you have allowed the Holy Spirit, you have, you, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. You have kept back for yourself all of these things. You, 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 you. <clears throat> What Peter is saying, let me translate it into my version. What Peter is saying is that Ananias, you fool, you had the opportunity to keep the possessions for yourself. Remember, I mentioned participating in this community bank was optional. So Peter was saying, like, hey, I would rather have you not participated than for you to come and participate. Watch this. You gave the impression that you were totally and completely sold out to what God was doing while your heart was not in it. You were not of one mind and one soul with the rest of the body, but with God. 
You get this false impression versus reality. See, watch this. The reason why I set the story up at the beginning is so you understand what was going on in, in the intricacies. See, before you could come into, the, into that group, you had to have had some sort of salvation experience and you were filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's just put it that way. Now, for Ananias to take part in that, in that plan, the Holy Spirit had to have spoken to him and said, hey, you know what? You should do it. And he agreed to do it. But what happened was, as he, he heard the word from the Lord, and he agreed with it, but then when it was time to execute it, he said, mm, I'm not doing that. So what Peter said was that when he said that you have lied to the Holy Spirit, what he's literally saying is that the Holy Spirit gave you an instruction, you agreed to it, and then when it was time to execute it, you said, I'm not doing that. That is lying and grieving the Holy Spirit. Because he heard the word, he said, yes, he agreed to it. I, I will do it, yes, Lord. And then when it was time to carry it out, he did something else. He says, you are not of one mind. He said, he says sim, uh, similarly, a lot of us as Christians in our Christian walk, we can just be like Ananias. We give the impression that we're committed, but deep down, watch this, we are holding back parts of our lives from God. This has caused death in our lives. You're like, well, I'm still alive. I'm here in church today. That's not what I'm saying. Death meaning God not being involved in that part of your life anymore. And has created serious problems. And then we say, well, God, you know, all this stuff. God is like, when, when you decided to do that, did you ask me? And Holy Spirit is like, yes, Lord, they did not ask us. And I cannot operate in their lives even if there was an issue. You have held back from God. And God is like, well, because you held back, I can't help you. So this has caused death. So God is saying to you today, give it all to me. Do not hold anything back. Be one with me in spirit and soul. The deceit was Ananias heard from God, but he decided to do something different. Whenever we do this, we are de declaring independence from God. And we are saying to him that we cannot be taken seriously. God is looking for people who he can depend on. God wants people where he can, every day he can be like, hey, you know what? I can depend on that sister. I can depend on that person. But if we don't take God's commitment seriously, God is like, I can't depend on you so my spirit cannot move freely in that situation. One minute you're up, next minute you're down. How do we apply all of these things? Three things. Number one, this year, make it a goal to invest time getting to know the person sitting next to you. Make it a goal to invest the time to get to know the person sitting next to you. For some of you, that may include your spouse. Understand their desires, the worries, what they're dealing with what they enjoy doing in their spare time. Visit with people, plan, meetups, all of these different things. All of these things are designed for us to be aligned. Because if I spend time with you and I understand what's going on with you, I know what to pray for. I know what you're doing. I was like, you know what? I could pray for him. And then we're aligned in, 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 in one spirit and one heart. Second thing, ask God to reveal to you daily 
development areas in your lives, wounds, traumas, that the enemy uses as a freeway to come in every day. Ask God to reveal to you daily development areas in your life that the enemy uses as a freeway, free passageway. Ask God to bring healing on a daily basis. Unforgiveness, bitterness, offense, trauma. These are things we all deal with. But a lot of times we don't think about it because we're like, ah, you know, I went to church, pastor prayed for me, sprinkled water on me, I'm good. And the enemy is like, great. Nothing happened to you today, and I'm going to use that and use that as until that door closes. And lastly, this is simple, spend time with God every day. I know we have a lot of commitments, and I do, we do, but just the simple act of saying, Lord, I'm here today. What do you want from me today? What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to bless today? How do you want me to go about my day? And what, watch this. What's happening is the more we do this, the more we submit our time to him, we are literally saying, Lord, my life is not my own. It is yours. And the more we do that, then we become one with his mind. God had a mind. And his soul, if he had a soul, but we become one in spirit with him. And how we become one in spirit with others is like, he's like, hey, great. Thanks for coming today, checking in with me. I need you to go over there. I need you to bless that person. I need you to bless that sister. They're dealing with this. They're dealing with that. They Pray for Pastor Meeks. He's not feeling well. And then the Holy Spirit starts to reveal things to you that you would not have been able to know if you were only praying for yourself. Let us pray. Father Lord, we thank you. Father Lord, we bless you. We bless you for this opportunity, Lord, to... I just pray, Lord, for this community of believers. Just as Jesus prayed in John 17, that we may be one. We may be one in here. We may be one in our families. We may be one in our homes. I pray for the spirit of un unity. I pray, Lord, for unity even in our own minds. I pray for unity as we leave here today that the seed will begin to germinate, Lord, and you begin to show us areas in which we have been disunited with our brothers, our sisters, where there's disagreements, things we don't see eye to eye, or things we don't just get along, whatever it may be, open our eyes, Lord. So, Father, Lord, that the enemy will no longer have a foothold in our lives. We pray that you will begin to release your Holy Spirit, release your power, release your grace, release miracles, signs and wonders, Lord. As we step out of the way, crucify our flesh for you to move. Father, Lord, we bless you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.